Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates for Predestination, Endless Space 2, Planetfall, Thea 2, and much, much more. Hey, Troy, how's it going? All right, man. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So, quick question for you. Did you get your chair? Uh, not yet. It hasn't come in the mail yet. Ah, oh, man. I think the uh, hurricane got in the way. Mm, yeah. Speaking of hurricanes, I hope our listeners fared well. Uh, we know that the Panhandle in Florida facing the inner, uh, the Bay of Mexico over there got just smashed. So, you know... Good luck to everybody with their insurance claims and recovery because it, it was brutal. We Up where I'm at, we got like a day of rain from it that was just torrential rain. And that was after it went, I guess it was a, at some at the point that hit the water, the beach was like category four. So by us, it was just a tropical depression. And still we got crazy amount of rain. So, yeah, tough, tough hurricane season this year for that part of the U.S. Oh, yeah. Uh, Puerto Rico, the Carolinas. Yeah, it's been tough. Yep, yep. So and flooding up and down the coast, the eastern seaboard and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So and there's more to come. I hope not. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we, we, there's stuff we can do, but that's a whole other story. Anyways, moving on, let's launch today with an update for Galaclider, and this is the card-based Space 4X that um, we did. Uh, interview a couple of years back and the developers have been continuously developing and working and they, they have their internal closed betas and where you can sign up and whatnot and they're constantly tweaking it like just trying to dial in so i mean what makes so first of all i mean the moment i say card game a lot of people are gonna be like oh card game uh. well here's the thing this is different than a lot of card games or collectible digital card games or ccgs or w's or whatever they're called collectible or c collect digital you got, it. Co- you got it yeah one of those anyways what's different here is that you know what you're getting so you're not going to get a pack where you get randoms and you get a certain amount of you know commons and uh uncommons and rares and ultra rares and foils and whatever you want to call it you know this isn't the case so you know what you're getting um so that's that's kind of big Second of all, one of the things that they're doing is that they're so it is a 4x, so you are playing a 4x game to to a degree, and the cards 
they function as ships. They function as resources once you take systems, like what you can do with them, uh, the way you develop your technology and things like that, how you deploy. Well, basically, the, the various things that you would do in a normal game. So in that sense, there's some semblance to what Thea did. So it'll be very interesting to see what a, you know the wider community thinks of it. Now, I'm thinking we're going to, again, touch with the dev and maybe grab a couple of decks and maybe stream it on Twitch, kind of like do it blind, just just to kind of get a feel for the game. But anyways, so like I said, this is their fall update, and they've been tweaking the rules. One of the things that they initially had is they had a whole bunch of resources, and now they've cut it down to one resource just to, to make it not so much simpler, but to streamline it, to make it more understandable for new players. Um, they want, another thing they changed is that... Uh, ships can attack sectors and that's pretty much the like a region of space that you control and that's kind of that's one of the ways that you win is through control of these sectors so um what so you have your main sector like where your home planet is where your general is from and whatnot so they're by them tweaking the wind conditions what they've done is is that like take something like i don't play hearthstone so i can't speak to that but like let's say you take magic so in magic the gathering you as a caster or planeswalker, whatever you happen to be, whichever version you're playing, you have 20 hit points. And what you're doing is you're summoning creatures to act as your proxies and act as your shields and act as your armies, you know, because you're not, unless you're casting an instant or something like that, you're not able to deal direct damage to the other caster or planeswalker. So what my what I'm getting here is that this is going to function the same way because when you reduce the the stars that you have which is the equivalent of hit points is my take when you reduce that to zero of your opponent you win or if your opponent does it to you your opponent wins or if you are um initially there was a condition where you were collecting i believe I do, i'm not 100 percent sure on this but i believe you needed 50 points in order to win and you would collect them each turn by doing various things and controlling territory and you know putting putting ships out and whatnot so right now there's still a win condition like that but they're still trying to tweak the the chance of winning so this isn't like the predominance so they say that they're trying to reduce it to 40 percent possible wins by you know re, uh, reducing to zero stars your opponent 40 percent by hitting a goal and 20 percent win by invading the enemy commander so i mean again these are terms specific to gala collider so my feeling is that you need to play this to get a feel for it now if you don't want to jump in and spend the money i can understand the game is still not out it's in beta but they're constantly running betas if you follow me on twitter at all you'll see that i'm retweeting like when they're having like the, it's open for new players so definitely if you're curious jump in give them a look let us know what you think we'd be very interested in hearing your feedback on it all right really cool uh predestination got an update this week and as we all know it's gonna be long and like this one is even longer than all the other ones so i will not bore you by going through all 15 pages or however much this is i'm just gonna hit some of the highlights because i actually logged into it today and looked into some of this so First off, the UI has been altered. It's still dark blue on black, which is better than black on black, but it, it can be difficult to uh, see where all the windows are uh, quickly and easily. However, the changes they've made have made it more usable and understandable. So that's good. All the art's in the game now. Excellent. Um, the 
ship designer has been altered, okay? Uh, it was before. It was very difficult to use before. I've got like 36 hours in this game, and I'm betting at least two of those hours was playing around with the ship designer because it, it, it's difficult to learn. It's very powerful. Uh, it's not quite as powerful as like Galsiv 3 where you can pretty much build a ship by pixel by pixel. You can't do that. But you could place the missiles and lasers and power cores and shield generators, anything, anywhere on the ship you wanted. You had a lot of control over what your ship looked like. But it was complicated to use. Well, now they've added a simplified version where it's pretty much just drag and drop. You know, okay, I want five lasers, two power cores, a shield generator, and a colony module, or something crazy like that. The problem is the models don't change when you mm. use the simple editor. Mm. That's too bad. Yeah, so, you know, it, it it's much more sensible to use, it's much more intuitive to use, but all the ships end up looking the same. Like, you know, you start with your hull, the frigate hull, or the cruiser hull, or whatever. Then they'll all look the same. So that's something that maybe in an update they'll fix or change where the AI will place the different items for you as best it can. Just almost anything would be fine unless it's, like, detached from the ship. You know, like a, a mass driver floating off in space or something. That would be bad. But at least it's in there. Uh, diplomacy was reworked, and all the different factions got a rebalancing. Well, I shouldn't say all. Most did. Uh, and their new abilities, for the ones that got new abilities or tweaked abilities, they look a lot better. They're, they actually are meaningful in the game now. They'll, they'll matter some. Uh, used to be before, I think there was really just one right choice for playing the game and now each faction looks like it would be mm. viable one mm. gets economic bonuses one has special shield generators that effectively doubles the hit points of a ship which is really good um and another one got bonuses to like food and metal it they did a good job i think rebalancing all the different factions because for the most part there was only one i felt was any good uh and then just like every everything's been updated and changed in the game now I'm a little bit down on this because, for one, it's a Master of Orion 2 clone, and it's not like we don't have enough of those. And then, two, this game was kickstarted back in 2012, so it just now enters beta in 2018. That is an extraordinarily long development cycle. And what was cool and interesting and novel back in 2012 is been there done that six years later so it let's say this game nate had launched in 2014 two years after it kickstarted i think it would have had a really good chance to have a a, a successful uh launch and, and a successful sales probably around star drive 2 levels which is 80 90 copies because there wasn't as much competition there weren't as many good games out there now but it's going to be launching into Galsiv 3, Endless Space 2, Stellaris, with all the other space games that are out there now. And I just don't think there's any interest for this, this type of game. Now, my, my last point on this particular game is, if they price it right, they might have a chance. If they sold it, in my opinion, if they sold it for around $14.95, people might be interested enough to pick up the game. Because it's worth that kind of money. I think it is. I, like I said, I got 36, 37 hours in this game. Fourteen ninety-five, I think, is about right. They're selling it for twice that much right now. 
but I think at that price level, and if they mm. made it like twelve ninety five, no, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I can, oh, I, I can, think... I can see them pulling twenty and I, then having like a I think sale. That's too much. Did, well, I, I, I think that would be asking too much for a game with these kinds of graphics, with this style of play, which we've seen iterated. I don't know, a half dozen times now is going to be iterated a half dozen times in the future, the next year or two. Because it'll probably be another year or two before it launches. Um, and if people want a good Master of Orion 2 experience, there's, well, there's the new Master of Orion, Conquer the Stars. And then there's Endless Space 2. And you can pick that game up on sale for around 20 bucks if you wait long enough. Yeah, that's true. Those are both Master of Orion 2 games. Right. And they're they're going to be way, way better, I you know. It's not, I'm not knocking Brain and Nerd's skill. The fact that they've stuck with it is admirable. And right. like what I saw, the new changes, I like. I think they did a good job. But at the same time, they're, the market in 2018 is very different from what it was in 2012. Well, you and, know, it is what it is. Yeah, that's, that, that's something that they should consider, at least in my opinion. Okay, fair enough. I mean, think about it. There's games like... Uh, Rimworld and Dwarf Fortress and things like that that are not graphically knockouts. That's true. But have... but they developed their audience a long time ago, Nate. When mm. uh, you know, yeah, yeah, video just... games were not as prevalent now. I mean, there's thousands of games every year. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple years, let's say it launches in two years, there might be ten thousand mm-hmm. new games put on Steam in two years. Yeah, well, I mean that's. More. You know, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Right. Their their right. window for great success is probably closed unless they they price it right, which I would say is fourteen ninety five or fourteen ninety nine. I think ninety five would get people more interested. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> maybe if they listen to the show, something for them to consider. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to the next news item, we have another dev diary from Stellaris. Now, this is the one dealing with tradition, and it is pretty short, very interesting, very interesting. I mean, the last couple of weeks, we've been hit by some really long ones and some ones that are like, I'm okay. So this is, I I think this is the third time, maybe the fourth time that they're redoing traditions. So this time around, they're trying to make them more, uh, like link it to a particular play style. So it would make more sense. So, for example, the expansionist tradition is going to be themed around faster colonization, faster population growth, basically having a larger empire, you know, which would make sense, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Then let's take harmony. That tradition would be around sustainability, amenity, stability. Okay, that makes sense. Then let's say we take diplomacy. That tradition is going to be around federations, the galactic market, trade. That makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have the one that doesn't make sense, at least to me, domination. When I say domination, what comes to your mind? Um, when you conquer everything. And what else could be? What else could that be? Um, well, this is a family-friendly show, Nate, and I don't want to say no, no, no. what else I might <laughs> no, be not thinking that. about. We're not speaking Warhammer 40K <laughs> and uh, God's Lanish. That's not what we're speaking. We're talking Stellaris here, not some mod uh, for it. So when, when you think down, like typically. I, I gave up on Paradox. Okay. All right. So typically when you think domination, at least w- when I think domination, and I'm thinking um, within the scope of Stellaris, 
crime is not something that comes to my mind. So becoming, reducing crime or having better workers, better rulers, better governors, better slaves. Okay, maybe slaves, but the better governors and and rulers and better workers and reducing crime, I, I don't know. I would rename this <laughs> tradition to something else. So that's the one that doesn't make sense to me. Like I would imagine domination, you, you have like the strongest fleet. So then there's overlap with another one, which is supremacy, which is usually what that's about, you know? So supremacy is about domination of space and domination should be about domination of uh, people. I guess, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But anyways, most of these traditions make total sense, except domination. So I hope that they re reword it, maybe, or rework it or something to that degree. But otherwise, like I said, short dev diary, thankfully, I've we've had very long ones lately where we need to pull in guests to help us discuss <laughs> it. <laughs> because it was just like, what? So this week wasn't that long. So thank you, Paradox. We appreciate the little break. All right, well, Amplitude gave us a short update this week as they continue to preview the Umbral Choir faction. And this week, it showed off the ships for it. And it was kind of interesting how they took the, the original concept, turned it into a 3D high-poly uh, design, and then put it in low-poly, which is what uh, Amplitude games are kind of famous for with their kind of unique look. And then it... It showed, I think, we was it two weeks ago? One week ago or two weeks ago when they were designing the, the, the model for the faction itself. Like what a member of the Umbral Choir would look uh, like. That was last week. Okay. That was last week. Boy, it seems like forever ago. Anyway. Um, it was a long week. Yeah. It has been, for sure. Uh, they did the same thing with the ship this week. How it just started from, uh, you know, a couple of parts on a clay model thing. And the, the designer went through it. Of course, it was amazing. But then it got to the very end. And I'm like, I can't see it. Where's the ship? Like, it's almost... Oh, because it's so dark? Yeah, it's so dark. And there's very few lights on it that you can't hardly see the ship. Now, it might look different in the, in the game where, you know, you got all the nebula and... I don't know what else and stars in the background where maybe you can see it better. But well, I these think that's kind are of the point. Very difficult to spot quickly in game. That's, I th and I know I think I, that's a little bit the point. Yeah, that I, I I get that's the point with the they're the espionage faction and yada yada. But this is this might be a little too meta in that the player might not just see the ship and you might lose your own ship. You know, thankfully there's a really good fleet manager in ES2. But they're very difficult to see and consequently difficult to appreciate the, the art and the, the craftsmanship that went into it. So I'm hoping that perhaps once these actually get in-game, there's some sort of particle effect around them. Like, I don't know, some type of shimmer like that pulses with the ship. Because otherwise, you're, you're going to lose stuff. And uh, it, it's just not going to be very attractive. So maybe like in 3D combat, it would be all right. Because it's, it's usually backlit with something in the background, you know, like a sun or moon or... Expl or explosions. Whatever. Yeah, explosions. <laughs> I mean, just all kinds of different things. But, yeah, these ships are going to be hard to see in-game, period. Mm -hmm. The way they, they've well, got them. It'll be interesting. Either way, it's going to be interesting. So, I want to add on to your Endless Space 2 news a little bit. So, by the time that you hear this show, our re -ex first re-examination for Endless Space 2 is going to be out. And it covers... The base game, it covers 
uh, the Volters expansion and Supremacy that introduced the His Show and introduced the new ship style type class. So um, curious for your feedback. I'm sure there's going to be feedback in there, but if you didn't, for whatever reason, leave any in the re-examination comments, you're welcome to leave them here and let us know what you think. Um, I've been playing it. It's fantastic. I haven't played it as much as I'd like to since Volters because I'm working on all the other reviews that I fell behind on and getting slowly caught up. Like I promised a couple of weeks back, maybe a month, a month and a half ago, that we would be caught up by the end of the year. So I'm working really hard to make sure that we are caught up and, you know, we have good stuff to discuss for game of the year, expansion of the year, all those things. You can't really discuss it if you haven't written the review. You know, so we should be caught up on all that stuff. But yeah, definitely looking forward to more info out of Amplitude. Now, I don't know if you noticed, if did you were you not able to tease out the shape of the ship at all when you oh, looked I, at it? I mean, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it, I know looks it looks a little like. bit like a whale, doesn't it? Um, yeah, with like, like the like, different jaw lines that a whale has. Yep. Where it's kind of. Yep. Split. And like the fins. Yeah. Yep, and like how the fins are. So it looks a little bit like maybe like a gray whale or yeah. a blue whale. No, yeah, gray well, whale or know, white they're whale. They're known for singing in the ocean, right? And it's a choir, so yeah. I, I suppose. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's talk about Pax Nova. Now, this is a new 4X that just found out about this past week from Gray Wolf Studio being uh, published by Iceberg Interactive. So Gray Wolf's. Grey Wolf, I apologize, Grey Wolf Entertainment. Now, this is the studio that made Dawn of Andromeda. And that's a game we reviewed. It was um, had a lot of interesting ideas. It was kind of like had a lot similar with the way Stellaris was at release, but like a very, very light version of it. Though at the same time, it's not fair to do a comparison because it was a different game than Stellaris. And uh, we're we're of mixed minds about it. It was definitely a, a it was a consider. It was on the lower end of a consider, but it was still a consider, which was an improvement over the original game, which was done by the creators, you know, with his other studio. So you know, whatever on that, we're just going to look at this studio and these games. And now Pax Nova is coming out, and it's interesting because it all it has the elements like the space elements of Dawn of Andromeda, but this one also has a terrestrial element and not a terrestrial element in a sense where you just develop your colony or your world throw a couple of buildings and there you go it actually has it it looks like it has an element that's part maybe pandora or maybe planet fall or you know uh civ beyond earth or something like that and then the other part is what goes on in space so it'll be very interesting to see what the interplay between these two different aspects of the game are and then how well each plays you know because sometimes you're playing a game like like take for example you're playing something like endless legend and part of the victory is like you know your ship the gray owl escapes what happens next well okay now you're playing endless space too and you're kind of like okay so this is what happened next whereas here it's like having both of those games in one so i'm curious i'm very curious i'm very excited for it because it's different um we'll be getting at least a couple of keys for the preview builds in the next month, I guess, maybe two months. So we'll give it a look. We'll let you guys know what we think of it. But yeah, I did not know that this was coming. This was a nice surprise. 
So if uh, if you're curious about it, there's going to be a link in our notes. Check it out. We did a nice little announcement for it. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think that Grey Wolf is getting better. Uh, Lords of the Black Sun has pretty much lost its entire player base, but Dawn mm-hmm. of Andromeda has managed to keep about 27, 28% of it playing. Mm. I mean, just okay. for instance, there were 24 people playing it earlier this month so i mean that's pretty that's pretty decent for a game that was launched in i want to say 22 years ago was it 2016 i think so i think it was 2016 i want to say so that's two years ago yeah so uh yeah especially you know given the flood of games we've had and the general drop off in forex to begin with so that's not too bad that's not too bad so this game uh has a chance of being better i just i don't know if people really want a game where you're mixing terrestrial 4x and space 4x in the same game maybe maybe that's the holy mm. grail what people have always wanted i don't know we'll have to wait and see yeah yeah well it's it's different you got to give it that i mean everybody says oh we want something different we want something else we've only been getting a rehash of this a rehash of that well here it goes something different so well, you know when you put two things it's kind of like the same together i don't know if that's different well, well, let's see. Let's let's not. I'm not coming into this with my mind made up. You know what I mean. I'm open-minded, ready to have fun. Let's see if if Pax Nova has what it, what it takes for me to be able to proclaim such thing once I get yeah, my hands I, on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think I I think it'll be a better game. I, in fact, I think it'll be their best forex game yet. That's my prediction. Well, there we have it. The best forex game from Grey Wolf Entertainment. Yeah. Now that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be a good game. <laughs> it's just gonna be their best one. <laughs> you just you just gotta stick it in I there, do, don't you? I do, I do. I had a rough week. Anyway, let's talk about Age of Wonders Planetfall. And All this right, week let's do that. We got a video on the faction oh, I should have been paying more attention when I watched it. Uh Kirko, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sure <laughs> I just Bugs! You know, I made a note. See how they pronounce it in the video. I got the note right here, and then I didn't do that. Anyway, yeah, so anyway. There, it was a rough week. It, it was a rough week. It was week. a rough week. Um, they're an insect race. So what was it in the Master series? Like Clackon or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Master of Orion, mm-hmm. Master of Magic. Yep, yep, uh, yep. And this, is, this race, well, I can see the outrage mob hitting them for this. This will be really interesting to see what happens. But it's really fascinating. They're a former slave race of the Star Union, which mm-hmm. was like the ancient civilization that fell uh, on mm-hmm. on Planetfall. Mm-hmm. And anyway, they used to be a hive mind, but their hive consciousness mm-hmm. was broken. And so now they're individualistic and they're, they're exploring their individualism, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're primarily a melee faction. So that'll be, I think, a little bit different in the age of you know futuristic combat. Right. And like they have a variety of different abilities, including, mm-hmm. uh, oh no, I lost it. It's uh, spit vomit. It's like acid, acid vomit. vomit or battle yes. vomit. Battle vomit. That's what it is. Battle vomit. <laughs> Basically, they can puke on their enemies, and it's acidic and corrosive, and it really messes them up. Sounds like a bunch of uh, frat guys, you know, after a good yeah, all-nighter. It's, uh, it's, it's really kind of... It, so that much is humorous. But the, the game also poses a moral question. This is a former slave race. Mm-hmm. 
And the game allows the player to make this choice. Will they try to reconcile with the other species that may have enslaved them in the past? Or will Mm -hmm. they try to annihilate them? Uh, And it brings up uh, themes of hatred and prejudice and revenge and forgiveness and reconciliation and uh, atonement, which is Mm -hmm. very deep for a 4X game. 4X games normally don't pose moral questions. It's kind of yeah. a given that what you're doing is very immoral. Uh, committing genocide on wide scale is not... Yep. I mean, that's just part of the genre, right? Right. Nobody yeah, really yeah. thinks about it. it except except the crazy AI and Civ. It's, it's okay for them to do it, but it's not okay for you to do it yeah, back to there them. You go. There you go. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see um, what comes of that thematic design. I think Oliver recently wrote an article talking about how there needs to be more role-play elements. Well, I don't know how yeah, you get more role-play yeah, right? than having to make this kind of moral choice in the game. Well, and as far as what the outrage mob does, I don't care. I'm not – you know what? Keep your outrage to your – sphere of influence and leave it out of mind kind of thing you know what i mean yeah i only care in so much as it might prevent them from trying this out because i'm very curious to see like what people do and how they talk about their experiences playing the game so Mm. well don't forget paradox bought a triumph studio so they're now an in-house studio and paradox will publish it and paradox is not afraid to go up against the mob i mean on a regular basis during their stellar streams they're talking about the benefits of slavery and things like that mm. so they wear their, they sure... wear their uh, make space great again hats exactly exactly so i'm not I, I don't think they're too worried about it i'm certainly not worried about it i mean i don't have any pretenses that as a player of 4X games, there's moral dilemmas that I constantly have to consider. My usual moral dilemma is how fast do I wipe them out? (laughs) That's it. Right, right. Which has, this game has me interested. It's asking me a different question than most other games do, and I like that. Exactly. 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 So, bravo to them. Not that I'm for slavery. Not that I'm for genocide. Not that I am for any of it, but you know what? Anybody that can sit in judgment of another person on such a thing and turn around and play a first-person shooter is just—I'm sorry, yeah, you can't say that, you know. Yeah, yeah, or even those games are exactly—you know—you're role-playing a bunch of murder hobos going around killing everybody. Exactly. Taking their stuff. You know, it's the same thing. You know what? Don't throw stones in a glass house. Yeah, for the most part, it's not a moral question. Like, it's just part of the part of the genre but here it's it, this is different this is different and it's very cool and right. i hope they continue to pursue it and what would be really amazing is if every faction had a moral dilemma like that i don't know well, we'll see we'll see we don't know yet yeah so we know the star union we know what they're about they're trying to regain their mm-hmm. they're like the romans the space romans you know trying to regain their empire figure out what's going on we don't we've seen there was one little hint in uh, Dev Diary, I think it was two weeks ago, where they showed the colonizers, the transports of all six playable factions. Right. But outside of that, we've only seen three. I think that was last week, actually. Was it? Yeah, man. I that's think it was last week. week. It's been oh a long week. Oh, my God. Wow. That's a long <laughs> week. I, I can't believe I said that, too. So, anyways, yeah. So, we've seen three so far. I want. I'm curious to see what the other three is. Yeah. Are not is what the other three are, anyways. All right, so moving on from fa- um, 
sci fantasy or, or no science fiction. Let's move on to sci fantasy, and that's Endless Legend. And I know that I recently published my review for uh, Inferno. Well, as is always the case with Amplitude, after they release a major update, they collect feedback from players and they go back and they fix things and they do some balancing. So what's interesting is this update, it's it's pretty long and the majority of the sections are fixes for past DLC, fixes for stuff that might still be in the game that people have been going on about. Hey, you guys haven't fixed this from, you know, two years ago. Well, they're going back in their fixes, fixing all kinds of little quest problems, broken broken quests, typos, uh, imbalance th- imbalances, um, making sure that the proper values are there so when you're trying to figure out what's going on, you get the right values. They're fixing issues with uh, the way the factions work. So that's primarily for Inferno with a Kapaku, and then they're also going back and fixing other things with notifications. Basically, click on the notes and read all the fixes. There's There are a lot of them, a lot. The major things are, is that there are some changes that are affecting the game for everybody so for example um a couple of not they're nice to have but they're not important so changing the out out game view and that's basically when you're either selecting your game or after you quit but you went to the main menu what you see so changing things like that but um like having interactions with an empire you haven't met before would cause problems and would make all kinds of weird things pop up not anymore. They took care of that. Uh, they fixed an issue about unit regeneration on city districts, which shouldn't have mattered when you are on an unfavorable terrain because this is your city. But they did. Now it's fixed. Specifically, if you built the city on a volcanic terrain and on a lot of volcanic tiles, non Copaco uh, can't heal. But now they can because it's their city terrain. So uh, they're fixing an issue with network messaging. And my guess is this has to do with multiplayer. So it would cause possibly desyncs and hangups. And they're fixing that. Then they're going in and there are quite a bit of changes to um, the Inferno expansion. So they're changing the length of the Dust Eclipse. They're changing... um, they're, they did um, one of the things that happens, like when you cross one of the lava rivers, you take damage. But a lot of times, if you put your path, if you path your army to cross it, you wouldn't realize it. Or maybe your army, you gave it a location, like I need you to get there. And as part of its path, it would go over lava and there's no notification. Well, now there's a pop up that says if you cross it, you're going to take damage. So there's all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's nice. I mean, they're continuing to take feedback, hopefully addressing other issues that people are finding. And I mean, it's been two and a half years, you know, the game longer. Well, it came out it 2014. 2014 so, yeah, so four years it's been out. but And then the last release was two years ago, I believe. 18 months, two years ago. So, I mean, to come back and release another DLC and then continue fixing stuff after, that's pretty cool. That's, I, you know what? People can say what they want. It's a good game. It's a bad game. I like, I love it. I don't like it. It's, it's the best game ever. It's the worst game ever. You know, each person has their own personal experience and each person has, you know, what it is they're looking for. And some games, I guess, meet that requirement and others don't. 
But when studios continue supporting, continue going back and fixing it, I mean, everybody benefits from this, right? Whether you like the game or not, when you fire it up, it's nice when things work as they're supposed to work, right? And and you don't have weird crashes and you don't have things that don't make sense when you're, you know. So I, I appreciate it. I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm a huge Amplitude fan and Endless Legend is top three favorite 4X of all times. All but right. anybody that's anybody that's ever listened to this weekly exchange knows that, so that's not a secret. Yeah, but for sure. just the same, it's cool, it's appreciated. So thank you very much, Amplitude. Keep it up, and uh, yeah, all right. Why don't you? Uh, I'm curious. What do you think of the latest the update? Um, it's it's interesting. It's good. It's I'm glad that they're already getting feedback from the people who are playing it, like you and me. And like the big thing in this update. I think it has an unfortunate name. It's called Quality Life. And essentially what it is, is in Thea the Awakening, the original game, when you had a lot of different food, your guys got bonuses and they healed faster and they could do more things. And that's being carried over into Thea 2, the Shattering, but it's, it's even more, well, I don't hesitate to say complex because that makes it sound complicated. It's not complicated. The more different types of food you have and the more food you have, the better it is. That's very simple. But there is like a table for what bonuses you get. It starts at zero and goes up to a hundred. So, I mean, that's that's a lot. But I don't like the name they chose, and that's quality of life. When you're talking about games, video games, quality of life has a particular meaning. It means refinements in, usually in the user interface, but it could be in any facet of the game, that make the game more convenient and accessible to the player. And that's called quality of life improvements. For instance, being able to right-click outside a menu to close the menu is a quality of life improvement. So when people are giving them feedback about quality of life, I think this is going to get confusing because they're going to want to know, well, is this related to the quality of life of the characters in game depending upon how much food they have or is this like some option they'd like to see in the user interface so i don't really care for the name i wish they would have found something else like comfort that would be good or level of comfort something like that type of nutrition um that's a little too uh, on the nose perhaps yeah it's a little too on the nose you're right uh so I don't know. I wish they could have chosen something else there. Maybe they will. They got time to change it. But yeah, level of comfort, I think, would have been better than quality of life. Uh, just to avoid confusion, because they're going to get a lot of feedback uh, in the beta. Uh, also, it talks about health. And this gets, it's, it's very complex, but I don't want it to sound complicated. It's not complicated. Basically, the healthier your people are, the better they're going to do. And the more they're hurt, the less that they can do and the less that they're going to heal and all this sort of thing. So essentially there's three different types of damage in Thea. There's mental, physical, and spiritual, I believe. And you can be damaged in any one of those three formats. Now in the original Thea, The Awakening, physical damage was pretty much all that mattered because most of your challenges were physical and that's how your characters died. Well, now you'll be able to die from all three types of wounds. Yay! More people dying, Nate. It's not like we struggle with that to begin with. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this game is so hard now. <laughs> anyway, uh, essentially, you want to keep your people healed up, and there are definitely multiple ways of doing that. And as long as you keep your guys healthy, you're not going to have to worry about 
damage multipliers or, or malices to your movement or all those sorts of things. So that's that's basically it from Thea 2 this week. And uh, the show goes on. They enter Steam Early Access next month. Yeah. And speaking of the game. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's not. On the one hand, it's actually being simplified from Thea 1. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's just for somebody that doesn't know. And the first time they look at it, they're going to be like, wait, what? Yeah, there's just so much information there to take in. And I wonder how that's going to be presented to the player in game. Maybe what they could do is they could have mm-hmm. a chart, like what we see in the design document, but uh-huh. you only see as much of the chart as your characters have achieved in their quality of life. So, for instance, let's say you have 30 different types of food, okay? Right. So the, the chart would display up to 30. So it's plus 10% task efficiency, plus one shielding in all challenges. So that's mm-hmm. all you see. And that would keep it simplified, for the players, like, oh, okay, well, I want to get it up higher than 30 just to see what I get for 40. Instead of being presented with this huge list of everything up to 100 and all these different things, like, oh, I'll never get there. That's what they should mm. do. They should well, be able to present you with that information somewhere in the game, mm-hmm. but only show you what you've got on hand. I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we haven't seen yet how it's going to be presented. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we can't even so, form a town yet. So, watch oh, probably anyway. that's how, watch how that's presented actually. Yeah, yeah. All right, so. we're going to talk about Aggressor's Ancient Rome next, and this update version one point zero point five is called the Creators Update, and like I think the developers for Aggressors is on a mission to make this the most customizable forex ever. They just they just want you to be able to customize everything. A lot of this has to do with modding. And when it comes to technology, guys, I'm a Neanderthal. I, I use my cell phone to call people. That's what I do. Occasionally, I'll text. That's how tech-savvy I am. So anyway, essentially, all, a big chunk of this update makes it easier to mod Aggressor's Rome. And it makes it easy to add your mod to an existing mod so long as there's no conflicts. And the game, I guess, checks for conflicts... And you can put in the Steam Workshop that your mod is compatible with this other mod. So, like, people can build on each other's mods and, and really get the game, uh, well, it can go in almost any direction at this point, really, for a Terrestrial 4X. And then also they're adding a map builder. And essentially what you can do, the, the language here is a little bit imprecise. So I'm just going to talk about what they wrote. What it says you can do is you can upload any picture and the map, or the map creator, the map builder, will turn it into an in-game map. Now, does that mean I could upload a picture of my face and it would turn my face into a map? I don't think so, but it says any picture. It, it doesn't li- doesn't limit it to, you know, things that would make sense. So, I mean, they mm. did it. They took a picture of uh, South America. They, mm. you know, just like a screenshot of South America shoved that into the game and the game turned it into a map and it's pretty darn close. It's really cool. You uh, know, that's not what people are going to be taking pictures of. <laughs> Nate, I'm just, I've had to tell you, this is a family show. I know it is. I, I, I'm I not saying anything, it up, but the, the way I, you I'm are talking about was, people are going to take pictures of their feet. Yeah. Their feet or their exactly. cat. I, I don't, I don't or, know. I don't know. Could it, could it really turn anything or into a, 
into uh i might try it i have aggressors i might try it just like, i do take too. a selfie upload it somehow i don't even know mm-hmm. how i'd do this and then see if i can turn it into like like imagine like the top part of my head would be an arctic region since i'm Ma- Ma- map of troy yeah map of troy that would be really hilarious but oh i just thought of something you this could, is a family friendly show upload, you could upload maps from literature you could you could play aggressors ancient rome in middle earth aggressors ancient middle earth you could you could upload a map of middle earth there's tons of good ones out there yeah and that's not where i thought you were going but okay yeah well i'm <laughs> you're i'm not as dirty as you or, i'm not or dirty at all I'm Narnia, no idea or like almost anything uh earth sea you know that mm. would be interesting there'd be a lot okay. of naval combat there I, I mm. like your i like your idea of middle earth but i don't know about narnia and earth sea I, I can think of much better maps than that. Fantasy maps. Yeah, that's... Or you could just... I wonder if you could... People are proficient with like a fractal mapper and they can make their own. Interesting. Huh. All right. Well, there you All go, right. guys. Now you're excited, yes? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say excited, but uh, intrigued. You could play Aggressors Ancient Rome. Then you could mod all the units into orcs and uh, elves and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody could have a real legit... Middle Earth 4X game out there. What unit would be Sauron? Yeah, that would be tough. That would how be the main. I believe. How do you get I guys believe, like Sauron and Saruman and. I, I believe uh, we're Elrond. crossing over into Dominion's Five territory right here. Uh, maybe. Yeah, but that's pretty cool. Anyway, yeah, you can upload your own maps, turn them into game maps, and Aggressor's Ancient Rome now. And maybe someday there'll be a really good Middle Earth mod. That'd be fantastic. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, in other news of. Note, we have an update on AI War 2. Now, we are fans of the first game, though it is not a 4X. It is a grand strategy RTS hybrid. It has probably top five AI of any genre for single player. It is phenomenal. And they're continuing this with AI War 2. We had an announcement for it last week as well. And basically, at the time that you hear this, it would have already been released. It, The release date got pushed up because I believe RimWorld was going to be released at the same time. And they had learned their lesson from other indie studios that never release a game on the same date as some huge title. And if you have flexibility, utilize it because otherwise your game will just disappear in smoke and shadows as some games have this past couple of years. So um, they added more music, which most people are like, what's the point? Well, they have good music. They added more of it. They're updating the AI. They updated the UI. They updated the graphics. They have a voice dialogue. They have all kinds of maps and all kinds of options. It is very moddable through XML modding. Uh, multiplayer right now is not in, in full effect, but it will be once the game gets released. So this is an Steam Early Access, and they've updated it for um, multi-threaded, so you know better performance. Now, again, this game, the game it's based on, AI War Foundation, which is like the one with all of the DLC and everything that came out for the first game, is phenomenal. But one of the issues it had is there was a limit because of how many units and how big of a map with all the new hardware out there and the changes in the coding for Air War 2, 
that shouldn't be an issue. So that should be really interesting. We have uh, a key. We can get a couple of more. I know that one of the guys is going to be checking it out over the next week or two, maybe making some YouTube videos, or maybe we'll stream it on Twitch and just kind of mess around with it, see where it's at. But this is definitely, this is, this is really important because there's a lot of people that were, the the studio arcing games they're working on a couple of things and everybody said i don't know why you're working on this i don't care about that i want air war 2 i don't know why you're working about on that other game i don't care about that i want air war 2 so then the studio was like okay everybody wants air war 2 we'll make it so now, now it's time they, mm-hmm. yes to be fair to be fair one of those games that they were working on was called in case of emergency release raptor no that game <laughs> that was that was that was a game that they had to release to make any kind of money to keep the studio from going under, right. is what it is. So at the time that... Which is not even available anymore because it was just too weird for people to comprehend. Yes. Having said that, they still they made a bunch of different things to try and find something somewhere for people to be like, wow, this is cool, I want to play, just so they can fund... Their studio, they had to let go of some people. It's down to like, if I remember correctly, down to like two people. They had like half a dozen, dozen people working right. there. The lead guy like mortgaged his house. He just They had to do a bunch of stuff. They're working on a 4X that was very promising. Very like, seriously, this is the kind of 4X that's so different than anything out there that it's like, okay, yeah, we want something different. We want to play this. But they had to stop because it takes money, it takes time, and they ran out. Yeah, so when and people are... Arkin, and Arkin Games is one of the most daring studios out there. Yep. They are very creative. They take risks. They make everything unique and strange, which is great because who wants conventional stuff? Uh, you got to hand Apparently it to nobody. At least, at least the people well, say AI things like... was a huge hit. AI War was yes. a huge hit. It's still yes. very well regarded. Makes every top whatever list of strategy games ever because it's so good. So what I'm saying exactly. So what I'm saying now is here's AI War Two. Show them the love. Buy buy into it. Support them. You saw how they supported AI War. You saw what they did with the game. So do it again. So they can sell it. So they can recoup their costs. So they can rehire their people and. Try some other daring games. Maybe get back to the 4X that we want to see being the we are 4X side. But we are. I, I'm my biggest issue with the first AI war is that I am as have as has been, I guess, divulged a graphics whore, which is not something that I hide. And some people are very taken aback by that because they're like, What do you mean? You want to play games with good graphics? How dare you? Why don't you play this really unpleasant looking game? Because I think it's the best game ever. So here we have a game that has good graphics. Here we have a game that has good AI or maybe the great greatest AI. Who knows? So support him, you know. Anyways, I'm sorry for going off on a little tangent there, but I'm I'm passionate about studios that give us what we want. So we need to support them back. All right. Moving on. Speaking of another studio that gives us what we want. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Battletech. So Flashpoint is about to come out, and their um, harebrained schemes, they're talking about, well, how can we improve on it? What can we do? Where, what, where can we go? So one of the things that they created was something called the career mode, and this is something that's accessible pretty much after you complete the campaign and you continue playing, and they're discussing what differentiates career mode from, say, just playing to your heart's content 
after the game. So what they did is they have a cutoff where they assign scores to various things that you do. And based on that, that's how they rate your career. And the cutoff is 1,200 days, which pretty much takes it to the date of 3028. And if you are a Battletech fan, you know that that is very... That's the, a major crucial chapter in the lore, which I will not discuss because that'll be really going off tangent. And that's that's it. It was it was kind of light this week. In the past couple of weeks, we got to see some of the um, some of the new mechs. We got to see some of the things like the new t- uh, environments that they created, some some of the weapons, things like that. So it's really cool. So I'm excited. I'm very much enjoyed BattleTech, and I'm looking forward to Flashpoint. And then uh, finally, I want to talk about. Um, this week's game for what is, and it's called Fell Seal, Arbiter's Mark. And this is a classic turn-based tactical JRPG. So in case you don't know, there's two genres of RPGs, apparently. There's Japanese RPGs, which are like in the older style, like the Final Fantasy games and things like that. And then there's American RPGs, which would be... um, like the new version of them would be like Divinity Original Sin, you know, uh, Pillars of Eternity, things like that. So um, this this game is more like the Japanese types. Uh, there's a link if you want to see what it looks like. This is to their Kickstarter page. Um, it's it's interesting. I don't know. I'm I'm more of the Western RPG player because I've tried to play some of the JRPGs, some of the recent ones, and like the 3DS and things like that, and just they didn't catch me like they used to. And this one, this one looks good. I, I like it. I'm definitely recommending people check it out. I believe at this time, let me see, it's on Steam Early Access at this point. So if you wanna, if you wanna play it, by all means, do so. And they're showing some of the customization. And you know me, I like customization. That's, that's I think that's like one of my favorite features in any game is if you can customize. So that's it. All right. No drama this week. <laughs> We're going to move away from the last section being a soapbox for anything. We're going to save it for something very important should it be needed. And based on feedback from the week, from two weekly exchanges ago, when we do feel like we want to get on a soapbox and, you know, rant and rave about something, we might do a strategic expanse, invite some people and make make a show of it, you know? So, um, okay, what have you been playing this week? Well, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I logged on to Predestination for a little bit today, a couple of times, actually, mm-hmm. just to check out what was new. And okay. there's a new introduction in the game. Well, that's and good. And it had this really cool music in the back, and I was like, oh, yes, they've changed the music from that sleep-inducing, repetitive soundtrack they had before and then it got to the main menu, and it was the and there it was inducing oh. repetitive soundtrack from before. So mm. anyway, the new introduction is really good. Uh, okay. It, it kind of gives you some more context for the game, which is something it lacked in the past. So all good on that. There's also a lot more like I don't know campaigns and scenario type things in it, or at least yeah, you know it's they they've added this to the game, and it wasn't there for most of the development. And I played through. One of the scenarios, I can't remember what it's called right now, but it was all right. I had a lot of fun. In fact, that was the most fun I've had with it is uh, just playing that scenario. So they did a good job designing it, um, making it challenging and keeping the story uh, good, the story for it good. So I enjoyed that. And then uh, I've been playing Space Tyrant and I lost the campaign and I didn't know, like I was, 
I was, I don't know, six or seven missions deep. Mm -hmm. And I got to a point where I knew I was going to lose. Like, the the enemy fleets were just too big and mine were too small. And so anyway, I said, all right, well, how do I get out of this? How do I just quit? Or, oh, here's a surrender button. I'll just hit the surrender button. Well, what uh -uh. it doesn't tell you is the surrender button doesn't just surrender that particular mission, so you can try it again. It surrenders the whole entire campaign. <laughs> so nice. There went about eight hours worth of work just right out the window, which was very deflating. <laughs> so uh, they might add a warning window to that so that okay. we don't make the same mistake that I did. Well, uh, I bet so you a anybody... bunch of people... I bet you a bunch of people made that mistake, which is why there's the negative reviews about the difficulty, huh? Yeah, yeah. There's Now, Space Tyrant currently has something like a 91% positive Steam rating, which is really good and quite surprising because it didn't start off that way. Right. Uh, initial reviews came in. The first batch of reviews came in, and people were complaining about how hard it was. And it is and this hard. Is Steam, and this is Steam review. These, Yeah, these are Steam reviews. Because I haven't and seen anybody covering the game besides us. Nobody's talked about it since it came out. Nobody's talked about it, which is a real shame. Uh, be, well, for one thing, it does have 91% positive on Steam. I think it's earned that. Uh, it is It is fun. The game does get repetitive after mm -hmm. a while. But because as you go, you earn... I guess magic items is the best way to call it. You get okay. helmets and magic wands and cloaks and shields and all these different things. So, and each one gives you special abilities. Like maybe uh -huh. your ships will have more hit points or maybe uh, you'll get more tyranny. It's space tyrant, right? So tyranny is like your right. currency that you can spend to do different things. So mm -hmm. maybe you'll get more tyranny for blowing up ships or blowing up planets or, or different With things. With your super duper wand. And yes, well, there is, there is a death ray. You do get a death ray from your finger that's like a magic lightning bolt that goes and hits nice. different ships and fleets and things. And so, I mean, it is it is so corny. Normally, I hate corny games. I hate But it. it's fun, isn't it? It is. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with this game. Um, like, I, I don't think it's on sale right now, but if it were, I'd tell people to just go buy it. It, it is. Yeah, it but is it's good. not expensive. It's like 20 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, if it were on sale, though, it'd be like a snap buy. This, I mean, oh, yeah. you don't, it doesn't ask that much of you. Each mission takes about anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes to play. And that's not bad. That's not bad at all. So it, it, there's no, like, save button, though. I think you have to, like, mm. tab out of the game and then close mm, it. That's not good. To save that's it. That's not good. And that's not, that's not very refined. Like I could be in the middle of it yeah. and you know, something comes up and I just can't keep playing. So I'd like to right. save my progress and, you know, come back to it later. So yep. I don't know. Yep. It, it's kind of basic. If it's not ported to mobile or the Nintendo switch yet, it really needs to be because right. Right. I think those machines could handle it and it'd be just fine. And it's plenty good on PC. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, that was it this week. What about you? So uh, this week I played three games on my PC. The first of which was, um, I think Gladius was the first one because I'm writing the review for it, which is done, but it's not out yet because in editing we came up on a point that was a sticking point. So I had to look to see how to address it. So hopefully I addressed it. So maybe it'll be out after you hear this. Then before the next show, it'll be up hopefully. So I played a little bit of that. Not too much. I did play some aggressors, and I plan to keep playing aggressors. Uh, 
I'm reviewing that one too, and I'm nowhere near the hours I need to be to give it even a fair shake, and I still suck at it, which is not necessarily an indication that the game is bad. It just I'm not good at it yet. I'm still learning the game, so that has that that's that that's good. That means the game has a lot of value to it. If you know, twelve thirteen hours in, I'm still finding new things and going like, oh oh okay, I see, I see, I got to do better. So that's good. And then um, yeah. So do you remember I was talking about that new content for XCOM 2? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm playing XCOM 2. Oh, <laughs> I have boy. to be very oh, careful. There we go. Yeah, I know. I have to be very careful because you know what? This this content release, the, the Legacy Pack, is insane. It is so much fun, like, having this narrated story. Like, they added so much content, like, new, new maps, uh, weapons, armors, and then... They put it within a story. So they have Central, Bradford. He's telling you, like, it almost feels like you guys are sitting around the campfire or at the bar on the Avenger. And he's telling you about, you know, back in the day how it was. And you're paying through these missions. And he's talking through the missions. And there's narration going on. And you're, like, finding out more and more. And I'm on the second of the four uh, parts, I guess. Each one has seven missions. So I'm on the second like second mission of the second one or third mission of the second one. And I don't want to spoil anything, but it is fantastic. It is so much fun. And I have to be careful. I really have to be careful because I still have to get the aggressors review. We got to do all the editing. And you know how it is. This is like, I'm addicted to this game. This game is awesome. So, and and if you own War of the Chosen, that DLC was free. Or at least it's still going to be free until... Like December something, December second or something like that. So, oh man! But yeah, I'm having a blast with that, and I've been playing a little bit of Mario Kingdom Battle on my Switch, and that's fun. That's like I, I'm. I think like maybe this winter break or next summer, I'm gonna get my son to play with me or get him to play it because XCOM is too much for him, too intense. He's like, Dad, please delete the enemy unknown from your iPad. It's too scary for me. So, uh, hey, you know, he has. Yeah, it's a pretty intense game. There's a lot of stuff in there. So, but that's I think that's it. That's all I got to play this week. This for me too is a really busy week, and I don't think it's going to get any less busy for the next couple of weeks. But we'll keep on editing stuff. We have got a couple of good articles coming up, some more reviews, and you know, some more stuff in the future. So, uh, hopefully by next show you have your new chair. Yeah, as, that'll be as, real nice. As ordered and. Um, uh, Mark should be if he I think he already got his new video card and I sent him um, money from through the Patreon from the Patreon to him because Explorminate patrons are helping um, keep Explorminate running, which we always tell you and it's true and we really appreciate it. So patrons, thank you very much. You all are awesome. You you guys make this all happen, guys and gals. So thank you very much. It would be cool if a few more people joined so we can get some some other cool stuff out of it and. Like I said, you know, stuff's coming any day now, any week now, <laughs> as soon as I get three seconds to breathe or step away from XCOM 2. So, <laughs> but I think that's it. Other than that, I think I think that's all I got. You? All right. No, there's not much else, but uh, we'd like to thank everyone for joining us here this week on the Weekly Exchange. We really liked having you. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.
Thank you.